0: Peace in a sense that you are going to be able to understand and obtain peace of heart when you have landed upon God's will. Please take your Bible and turn to the book of Exodus, chapter number 13. Exodus chapter 13. What a difficult time to be preaching right before chapel. I mean, right before lunch. Chapel right before lunch. Um... Uh, so I, I will be I will be very timely. Uh, one of the things that happened to me in my earlier years preaching, I was invited to preach to a group of senior saints. They called this group Jolly Sixties. Little did I know that I would be a Jolly Sixty. Here I am at 61. But this was a unique experience because we were told, I was told that uh, at about 1130, they start serving lunch at this church and that if I wasn't done at 1130 that they would get up and walk out well nobody's going to get up and walk out they got up and they walked out and I said the closing prayer to myself in the auditorium with the pastor standing in the background that's what he kept saying I told you I told you so uh, I learned my lesson, and so uh, I don't think you'll be walking out on me, but uh, mentally <laughs> you may be walking out on me with the smell of the food and all that. So anyways, um, let me just give you a real quick word of testimony. Uh, as Brother Elliot was giving his testimony, it stirred my heart uh, to, to remember how that uh, I came to know the Lord, and how the Lord called me into uh, the business of uh, missionary work. Uh, I made a profession of faith when I was six years old. I'm a church kid, by the way. I've been in church all my life. I'm one of those little kids that showed up and was the angel in the Christmas play and uh, Sunday school classes and all of that stuff. And so I, I grew up in church, and they said I made a profession at six years of age. I really didn't remember it, and it troubled me all through my early youth because I didn't remember it. And so I can remember when I was 12 years old, I went home after a Wednesday service and I was praying and I was scared of hell. And so I began to deal with the Lord. And and so being a church kid, I knew the Romans road. I knew those verses. And in a sense, I let, I tried to lead myself to Christ. I would read the verses. I would go down through and I would start to pray a prayer of calling on the Lord to save me. And I was Aware enough that at 12 years of age, I was not following in my own mind My mind was wandering as I was endeavoring to pray to be saved And I'd start over and I was full of frustration and I said and I finally came at the end of that night Thinking you know what Lord? I can't do this. I just give you Lord my life my heart my soul and my eternity is in your hand I know that you died for me, but I can't do this. I can't save myself Ding! That's what I needed to say. And I went to bed that night with the assurance that Jesus Christ was my Savior. A little bit of an odd approach to it, but I, 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 I encourage you, if you don't understand, if you're still struggling, if you ever go through a time of struggling your salvation, and you're counting on something other than the Lord Jesus Christ, that you would put your eternity your soul in His hands. It's not how well or what you say. It's how well and great of a Savior that He is. So at 12 years of age, I was saved born again. 14 years of age, I was at a youth camp. And a Bible camp. And uh, the Lord uh, did a lot of wonderful things during that time. I met my wife at 14 years old. She wasn't my wife yet. She was my, my you know, you know, 14-year-old girlfriend back then. And uh, we've actually been uh, uh, a couple, a thing, since I was 14 years old. But during that camp, uh, the preaching was good, the preaching was hot, and the Lord was touching my heart to serve Him. And what they did at that camp is at the end of the camp, they had a, you know the, the traditional campfire, and they had a meeting, and all of, this, all of the campers were there, and the preacher was preaching, and he said, if the Lord has touched your heart, that you would like, you feel the Lord drawing you to serve Him in some way. I'd like you to get up and we want to meet with you across over here. We want to pray with you. And um, so we're going to sing a closing song of uh, uh, I'll think of it in a minute here. But we'll sing a closing song. Uh, I've decided to follow Jesus. And then when you're over here, we'll meet with you and we'll we'll pray with you about what the Lord may be calling you to do. So the fire, the, 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 you know, the closing campfire was burning and we're singing i have decided and we get up and we walk across this funny little homemade bridge it was about six foot in length and we crossed over that bridge and we went over and we waited on the other side and the group had separated by then they had the group that was staying there and my group the ones that just wanted felt the lord drawing them had crossed over the bridge and we went over to the other side And we stood there and watched the camp director take a torch, and he went and he lit that bridge on fire. No turning back, no turning back. And that vision and that visual was in my mind. And can I say that after all the years of serving in the Arctic, I'm still working off of that call at 14 years old. Now, it wasn't specific. I didn't know I would be a missionary to the Arctic. Much like Brother Elliot said, if I'd have known that then, I'd have ran as fast as I could in the other direction. I didn't know that, but I said, Lord, what would you have me to do? And like a lot of young people, I started out uh, uh, you know, uh, in the church serving as um, a youth pastor. And, and, and it just grew from there until the Lord touched my heart specifically about being a missionary. But that started when I surrendered. They burnt that bridge behind me and I sang those words, no turning back, no turning back. So I realize that none of you are in that age, most of you are older, Uh, but let me say the things that God does in your heart in your youth, whether it's as a teenager or as a young adult, they have great value and God doesn't disvalue those things, neither should you. So if the Lord speaks to your heart, it's as important as if you were a, a pastor being called to go to another ministry some, somewhere, it's totally and utterly important. Well, with that in mind, I, I'd ask you to look with me in the Word of God in, in uh, uh, Exodus chapter 13, and uh, we're going to read in verse number 17 and 18, two verses, that I hope to be able to help you uh, with, with some truths and some thoughts that might might help you at this point in your ministry and in your life. Verse number 17 of Exodus 13, and it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go that God led them not through the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near, for God said, lest peradventure the people repent when they see war and they return to Egypt. But God led the people about through the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea, and the children of Israel went up harnessed out of the land of Egypt. Now this is a bit of an encapsulation, a bit of a, uh, an overall condensed version of many things that happened. But I want to speak for a few minutes before we uh, uh, partake of another wonderful, wonderful meal Uh, I want to speak on God's way. Generally, God's way. I can't help you if you come to me and you say, Brother Donnelly, what do you think uh, God's will for my life is? I I don't know. Uh, What do you think I should do? What should I do, this or that? I can't really do that, and that's not my place anyways as a visitor. But I do see in Scripture some things that concerning this journey that the Israelites made from Egypt toward the promised land that tells me a little bit about God's way. God's way of doing things and God's literal way, the path that He leads us. And as you're deciphering, and this is certainly a time of your life that probably some of you are thinking, what is it that God is going to lead me to do? Hopefully you'll find something from the Word of God, and from the challenge, it will help you in that overall process of knowing where God would have you to serve and what would God would have you to do God's way. Now, uh, <clears throat> I'm not really good with uh, words and building word pictures, but I want to describe to you, uh, and, and, and you've probably seen this, and so I hope you'll agree with me. When you're looking at the Sinai Peninsula, uh, it, it's, it's if you can visualize a piece of pizza on its point. Now, it's lunchtime, and that's on my mind, so that's why that, you know, and I don't think I'm smelling pizza, but nonetheless, um, just think of a piece of pizza on its point, and that would be the, the, the Sinai Peninsula. And uh, if you're looking at it up there, on the one side would be uh, Egypt from where they originated, and the goal was the promised land that would be across the top of, of the other side. And then, and then uh, uh, Mount Sinai would be at the point of the pizza at the bottom. Now, if you and I were making a journey, and we punched in our GPS, uh, the promised land, GPS would take you right across the top. The shortest path between two distances is a straight line. And there would be a line go straight across through, through, through the land of the Philistines. But that wasn't God's way. God led them in a very different way and with different purposes in mind. And so your desire may be to go from you know, Bible college to this particular goal in ministry and a straight line. You may find the ultimate goal of God's will where you want to be, and you're going to go straight there. But God's way often leads you, not in a straight line, but down to the bottom and back up to get to where you need to be. It won't be a two-week journey. It may be a lifetime journey. But nonetheless, God has a plan for you. First of all, I want you to recognize, and I feel it's safe to say this, certainly of heart, if not in whole, but is that God's way is a way of peace. The Lord in this passage of Scripture very uh, uh, clearly under inspiration of Holy Spirit it divulges the fact that God's thinking was in the the latter part of verse 17, lest peradventure the people repent when they see war. This was not a warrior culture. These were people who had been slaves for 400 years. And they had that mentality. They didn't have that freedom fighter attitude necessarily at this point. And, and, and God needed for them to experience peace. Now, you're not going to have peace every part of your ministry. But, but peace in a sense that you are going to be able to understand and obtain peace of heart when you have landed upon God's will. Scripture tells us in 1 Corinthians, as I would remind you, that for God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. There's a spiritual peace in knowing that uh, uh, God would, uh, what God's will is. There's a, a, an unrest. There's a, a struggle. And we talk a lot of times about surrendering to the ministry, that's because you're in a time of, of, of internal conflict. You're struggling. But my friend, when you land on the will of God, and you know that you know what the Lord is leading you to do, you will know peace. It won't necessarily make sense. It won't necessarily be popular but you having been in that state of conflict and war in your soul, when you finally do business with God and you know the mind of God and you make that decision and you surrender in that battle, you'll know peace. It's a spiritual peace. It's a, an inner peace. Um, that when you finally settle on it, you, 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 just, you just hate to tell parents, possibly a spouse, what the word of the Lord is. And part of that, the will of the Lord is, and part of that battle is having to tell family that you're going to move 3,000, 6,000 miles away, across the globe away, and you're just in turmoil about how am I going to tell mom that I'm taking the grandkids away from them? How am I going to do it? And when God gives you His will, you get bold. Say, Mom, and Dad, i got to talk to you. We're moving. And there's a peace that comes on you. I watched closely the missionary interview last night. And I watched the dear sister with the the two little babies. And I looked at her and my heart was breaking. Because I knew there was going to be a day she's going to take those new grandbabies away from mom and dad. They were so young and you could just tell they were excited in the ministry and they're going to a place where there's no Christian fellowship. But did you see their peace? Their boldness? God's way is a way of peace. God's way is a way with no turning back. I oftentimes in my mind, and I've got a crazy mind, but I often think when when the Israelites were approaching the Red Sea, what an amazing event that was when the Red Sea parted. But as I've gotten older and been through a little bit of ministry myself, the fantastic thing and in in another amazing part of that story has to be when they were on the other side. And those walls collapsed and their path back was closed. I started off with the testimony. They burnt that bridge. No turning back, no turning back. I don't know about you, I'm just admitting it's a good thing that God closes the Red Sea. It's a good thing that they burnt that bridge when I was 14 years old and I've got that visual in my mind because I know this guy. His heart is rotten, born again and saved pure and justified before God. But I can't trust my heart. And I'm not so sure that I wouldn't quit if there was a path back. And so when you're deciding to make what would God do, it's a way of peace. And don't be afraid if there's a path of no turning back, if that path is closed. I think third thing, God's way is a way that forces dependence upon God. I cannot help but to apply some of the things that that I've experienced in life with these situations. You know, uh, you would think the Northwest Territories in the far north is game rich. That's the place where the biggest moose are, the greatest world record caribou racks, the biggest fish, uh, uh, world record lake trout, 40 pounds plus coming out of these lakes. You think, oh, this is a game rich situation it's so barren sometimes and i can't help but to think when these israelites were traveling and they were going from egypt toward the promised land that when they got out in the middle of nowhere the arid land there's no animals there's not much plant life who could they depend on how could they, they couldn't depend on themselves to get food they couldn't depend on themselves and their own ingenuity You know the story as well as I do that the manna and the quail was the only provision that came to them. When they needed water, they looked around and they were in an arid area, and the only water that came to them was through the rock, God's miraculous supply. We live in North America, we like our securities. We like our ducks in a row, so to speak, is one way to say it. We want to know the future's secured. We want to know where not only the next paycheck's coming from, but we want to know where the next year's pay is, anyways. And I, can I just tell you, some way, at some point, God is going to teach you that lesson that you're going to have to depend upon me for that next meal, that next step. The safe route may not be the will of God. You'll be tempted to say, this opportunity is absolutely the safest and surest, and I'm going to be fine this way. But it could be that God's will is that you have to say, Lord, if this happens, it can only happen through the miracle of Your provision. And my, if the longer you're in ministry, the more exciting that is my wife and i look at each other sometimes and we'll say you know what god's going to have to do this and she'll say yep she's my biggest supporter she's she's the greatest cheerleader she is just the, the most spiritual individual if 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 god allowed it i'd send her to preach all the missions conferences i'd allow she is so much better than me so more spiritual than i we look at each other so god's going to have to do this one and we go forward. Once you to know that God's way is a way that leads toward his word. I realize I'm stretching this a little bit, but just just I'll be gone and you can make fun of my theology soon. But they're going across the top. At the bottom was Mount Sinai. That's where they received the laws of God. And they wandered around until they got down to the very bottom, and that's where the word of God became literal to them and more real than ever. Your path of knowing God's will is going to be a place that's going to lead you closer to the Word of God. When you need to study, when you need to learn, when you need to rely on, certainly your your, your college training, but I mean getting in the Word of God and understanding it yourself and, and learning how it applies to you. You say, I would do this, but it's beyond my ability, and I'm really going to have to kick up my studying. Might be a good thing. Might be God's will. It might be that God is going to lead you into a a translation ministry. And boy, if you don't understand the Word of God, you will if you get into a translation ministry. Don't be afraid of that. Because you're getting into the richest and the greatest mine that there's ever been. And that's the Word of God. And I say this, God's way is a way that takes time. We all know Isaiah 40, 31. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. That waiting upon the Lord. Great messages have been brought forth on how that the trip should have been just a mere number of weeks and it ended up being a 40-year 40 40 year trip. But God did something. He took those slave and subservient society and during that time He turned them into warriors, a peculiar people through which the Messiah would be, would be born. Our world is an instant world And that affects our theology way too much. You probably don't remember a world before a microwave. I do. Everything was really slow. And my grandmother told me about a world where they built a fire in a stove before they cooked. And our world gets so fast and so quick and so instant, sometimes our theology is drug into that, that realm of instant. Yes, call upon the name of the Lord, thou shalt be saved, and that's instant. But sometimes the growth and the decisions, sometimes the, the path is not a path from uh, college to senior pastorate. Sometimes there's a growth period. A metamorphosis takes place. Um... Sometimes people start out as the the caterpillar and end up as the, the beautiful butterfly. And some of us just kind of wiggle along our whole career and we never metamorphosize into something beautiful. But God uses us. It's a journey that takes time. There is no microwave praying. It just takes time. It takes a mental process and we say this in closing, God's way is an orderly way. Notice a phrase I hadn't seen for before, and as I studied this out, I noticed that phrase at the bottom of verse 18. The Lord uh, led the children of Israel, went up harnessed out of the land of Egypt. Now, I don't believe that this was literally some sort of like a harness that they wore, but it's a terminal, a word and terminology describing order. We know through Scripture that there was 600,000 men. Of course, we we, we know that number doesn't include women and children in the mixed multitude. The whole number could have been a a, a million plus easily. But just 60,000 men standing five abreast, one meter between those columns, That would have been a column of 68 miles long. Now, don't think that when they crossed the promised land that they were fanned out like like a bunch of bandits. Don't think that they were in a harness marching just like I've described. But the only way they could accomplish that was there was some order in the way they conducted themselves. The leaders demanded order. I don't think they, they spread out all across the face of the beach when they got to the Red Sea. There was an orderly place. I don't know how wide it was, but they, there was order. And so God's way is a way of order. He's not the author of confusion, it's order. Let me just ask you this Ask yourself this as you go into the future concerning God's will Is your life chaotic? Is your thoughts chaotic? Have you no peace? Are you in turmoil? That's not the choice of God. There's peace when you finally get the choice of God in your heart and will. People will describe to me sometimes in counseling their life, you say, this is going, that's going, I say, your life is in chaos. You need to stop and change something. That's not what God does. God gives us a peace that passeth all understanding. So as you search out the future, and you need to know, God will bring you to a place of order. Now, I'm not the most orderly individual. I'm the guy that might put his coat in the direction of the coat hook and not quite make it there. So I'm not saying that, you know, I iron my socks. That's not the order that I'm talking about. But I'm talking about in our heart, the order of our mind. I may be a little chaotic in other areas, but I know that I know that I know that I'm saved. I know that I know that I know that God called me to preach the Gospel. I know that I know that I know that God would have me work with the First Nations people in Canada. I know that I know that I'm to be faithful and true to the Word of God. Those things are settled. I know I'm a fundamentalist. I know I'm not a modernist on things. And when those things are in order, we march forward and we find success. But when we're bouncing around with all types of of doctrines and theories and thoughts and philosophies, there's disorder and there's chaos, and I wouldn't be safe saying God's in the middle of that. But God's in the middle. Of order. I don't know if what uh, uh, the Lord has for you through this message. I preach to myself first, and God's helped me, and I hope it has helped you. Let me lead you in a word of prayer, and then we'll turn the service back over to uh, those who are conducting it. Father, what a great group. What a great uh, attention that they've had. Lord God, I pray that someone has been helped not by my story or my words, but someone who has been helped by the Word of God, by the greatness of our God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.